Why, hello there, friends. I want to welcome you back to the Holistic Nutritionist podcast. My name is Natalie Douglas, and I am your solo host today. Before we jump into today's topic, I just wanted to give you a really quick reminder that we are in the very final days of Open Cart for the final round of Thyroid Rescue until 2021. So there will be no more rounds until next year. And this is currently the only way that we can work together on all things thyroid. So if you are someone who has Hashimoto's or Graves' disease and underactive thyroid and overactive thyroid, thyroid nodules, you've had your thyroid removed and you're struggling, um, any of those, or you even have all of the symptoms of an underactive thyroid, but haven't necessarily got an official diagnosis, then this program is absolutely for you. And we go through not just thyroid health, but we talk about gut health, adrenal health, hormones, liver support and detoxification, toxic load. And we really focus on taking a whole body approach, getting to the bottom of the root causes of your underactive thyroid symptoms and Hashimoto's, Graves, all those things, because Truly, that is the only way that people get long-lasting results, and we do it alongside each other. I am there with you every step of the way. We have live group coaching calls. There's a private Facebook support group, and there are options for one-to-one support within the program as well. So if you want to read more about what's included in the program or you wish to sign up, then you can go to nataliekdouglas.com and click on the thyroid rescue tab, or you can simply go to my Instagram account and click on the link in my bio and that will lead you to all of the things, all of the information. And if anything is not answered, then you can reach out to me via DMs. The other thing I need to let you know, which I feel like is relevant, is that the card is actually closing this Saturday, the 29th of August. So if you're listening to this episode not in real time, then uh, just a heads up on that one. So let's dive in, shall we? Today, I really wanted to chat about a topic that comes up a lot in relation to thyroid health. So we're talking about the relationship between estrogen and an underactive thyroid. And when I say underactive thyroid, I mean that it could be driven by Hashimoto's, it could be driven by nutrient deficiencies. It doesn't matter whether you've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's or not. It just matters that you have all of the symptoms of an underactive thyroid and perhaps your blood tests are also showing that that is an issue. And little tip, if you aren't sure if you've had your thyroid tested properly, then jump back into the podcast library because there is an episode that I've done on that in relation to how the heck to get your thyroid tested properly and how to kind of navigate the old system. So our good old pal estrogen. Now, to explain this and the relationship between thyroid issues, when there is excess estrogen in the body, which you can absolutely test for, and although there are amazing fancy tests out there, you actually can get a really good idea just by doing a regular blood test 
at the right point in time in your cycle. So best time to test estrogen or what I do clinically most of the time is day two or three of your period. So your period being not just when you notice some little spots, but actual flow, actual blood, actual bleeding. So your day one is when you've actually experienced a full day of proper bleeding, day two and so on. So that just gives us a really good idea about where your estrogen levels are sitting and whether or not they are high or not. Generally, what I'm looking for is in terms of ruling out like excess estrogen or high estrogen, if I'm looking at a blood test, is that it's below about 200 if you're doing it on a day two or three of your cycle. If you do it at another point in your cycle, that number is not relevant. Your hormones fluctuate throughout the month in case no one noticed, you know. Um, So it means that you need to be testing at the right time for what you are trying to actually understand in your body. So get in the hands of a good practitioner that knows what the heck they're doing and how to interpret blood test results and you'll be far better off. So Let's say situation happens where there is excess estrogen. How does that relate to the thyroid? So what happens is when there is too much estrogen in the body, it increases something called thyroid binding globulin, which you can think of this as like a taxi that carries the thyroid hormones, which are the passengers in this analogy, around the body, right? Now, if you can imagine if there are too many taxis for the passengers, there's going to be very little passengers out on the street doing their thing, making stuff happen. So this equates to not having enough thyroid hormones in your system getting to where they need to be in order to do their job and make you feel like you've got enough thyroid hormones. So having a healthy metabolism, having lovely hair and skin and nails, feeling like you're in a good mood, um, you know, not having brain fog. There are lots of things that thyroid hormone contributes to. So that's one way in which excess estrogen impacts thyroid hormone function. Another way or another situation that I often see is that when there is excess estrogen, if it is quite significant and your body is struggling to get rid of it, I usually see this coinciding with having difficulty getting rid of other endogenous, as in things that are produced in our body and exogenous, things that are brought in from the outside into our body, other thing, other toxins basically or chemicals. So what that means is that your liver or your liver pathways or your detoxification pathways are somewhat overloaded or they're just compromised and they're not functioning as well as they can be. And some of your conversion of your active, your inactive thyroid hormone to your active thyroid hormone happens in your liver. And if it's not functioning optimally, that can be a contributing factor. The other situation that I often see is when there is a woman presenting or a man presenting with excess estrogen, usually there's a reason for that. Sometimes it can be coming from the gut. So what can happen is you can have an overgrowth of bacteria that produce too much of an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, which sounds interesting, and it is. So what beta-glucuronidase does is it basically breaks the the bond, so to speak, between the estrogen or the chemical that is trying to get 
out of the body. So it ends up just recirculating in your system. And there are often ways that we can just look at gut health and rebalancing gut health to help with that. And there are other nutrients that we can provide the body with to ensure that that isn't as much of a problem. So calcium deglucrate is one example of that, but there are many other things that you can use. And often this is a bit of a case by case basis. So if you do have excess estrogen, what the heck do you do about it? Well, uh, first of all, just make sure that yes, that is what is happening by doing some thorough testing. The other thing that you can do in terms of, you know, without necessarily going down the path of really personalized supplementation is trying to include uh, as many cruciferous and um, sulfur-based vegetables as you can. So things like broccoli, cabbage, kale, onion, garlic, um, Brussels sprouts, all of those good things, they actually help remove excess estrogen from the body and are going to help with that. Now, the next question that always pops up is, but I heard that you shouldn't eat cruciferous vegetables if you have a thyroid problem. Well, yes, in some situations. So the situations in which you should avoid eating excess amounts or perhaps even temporarily avoid eating you know, cruciferous vegetables that particularly are raw or uncooked is when you are already iodine deficient. So you can also test your iodine levels via random urinary iodine sample with a urinary creatinine, which I will talk about in another episode, perhaps next time. Um, And that you just want to check in on. And if you are iodine deficient, fixing that up first is really important. And then starting to increase those cruciferous vegetables after that, or at least alongside it. But usually I say after. The other thing you can do is just generally increase fiber. So start to whack in a few chia puddings, make, you know, some breads that have some psyllium husk in it. There's some really good recipes out there that include that or chuck it into your smoothie. Use some nuts and seeds or do some seed cycling. Anything you can to help increase fiber is going to help with eliminating excess estrogen from the body. The other thing you can do is start to take some broccoli sprout powder that can can be something that is really beneficial as well in terms of that estrogen detox side of things, making sure that you're doing a bit of an environmental cleanup as well. So looking at your personal care products, your cleaning products, what you're exposed to in terms of what you're breathing in and think about how can I decrease the toxic load there? So if you're currently drinking out of a plastic, a plastic, a plastic drink bottle, switching to glass or stainless steel. If you are currently using really conventional makeup or hair care products or perfumes, then starting to look into some of the natural options. So there are so many natural options these days, and I really don't feel like there is any excuse for not finding one that works for you. They're far better than they used to be, says me who has like very little... (laughs) very little experience with makeup but I've been told okay by the peeps who know the stuff um and there really are options so I really like Nourished Life they have such a good website there going with lots of product reviews you can search there are often samples for different products so you can try a few things out and then the other thing with perfumes is just use some essential oils those bad boys smell delicious i always get complimented when i wear my essential oils as 
pure fumes, as we like to call them. And it really is a lovely way to manage your emotions, smell really delightful and not add to your toxic load. So definitely get onto some of those if you like to smell really nice. Um, And the other thing is making sure you're drinking enough water, which sounds so basic, but I can't tell you how many people I see or clients I have that struggle with drinking water. And if you're that person who you're like, I just can't remember to do it. Well, some tips is try and schedule in times where you drink a fairly large amount of water. So first thing in the morning, 500 mils of water with some lemon juice, maybe a little dash of salt is a really good way to start the day. And then you can set an alarm for another time point in time during the day. The other thing you can do is habit stack. So what I mean by that is think of something that you already do every single day quite religiously that you could start to stack an additional habit onto that. So an example might be every day I take the dog for a walk. So every day when you're before you take the dog for a walk, you would get into the habit of drinking 500 mils of water. Or when you get back from that, if you don't have a dog, that's okay. Um, Every time I take the kids to school, every time I come home from taking the kids to school, or every time I brush my teeth or whatever. Actually, that's not a good one. You don't want to drink too much before bed. But you know what I mean? So think of something that you do quite religiously. Shower for most of us is one of those things we do often. Um, So just whatever you can think of, is good enough and start to implement that. You can also get apps. If you're someone who really likes reward for your good efforts, get an app where it congratulates you and sends you cute stickers. That can also work. Outside of that, I think that it is also really important just back on the iodine side of things to make sure that you do have adequate iodine levels because if you are iodine deficient, it can make you more sensitive to the estrogen that you actually have floating around. So that's just another little important um, bit of information there that can help. There are other ways that excess estrogen can impact your thyroid, but that is by far the most common examples and the ones that are most practical to actually implement ASAP. And I would say that if you do that for a significant amount of time, it will make a difference. And if it doesn't, it's probably that something's been missed. So there may be something more going on in the gut. There may be something more going on in terms of your liver detoxification pathways. And you can also always work with a practitioner to work through that as well and figure out what is happening. But hopefully that helps and connects a few dots to what is going on there and gives you some insights into how to actually make practical changes. So if this info has been helpful, then please share with any of your friends or fam that could benefit as well. And while you're doing that, I would so appreciate if you left a rating or review. It really helps the podcast reach more people, which makes a big difference. And a final reminder that the cart is closing for Thyroid Rescue, the last round of 2020 on Saturday, the 29th of August or until spots fill up. And we currently only have one spot left in Thyroid Rescue Plus and a few in Thyroid Rescue Basic. So don't sit on the fence too much longer if it is something that you're interested in. And if not, best of luck on your health and wellness journey. And I will be back in your ear holes next week with a really awesome interview. So I'm really excited to bring that to you and I will speak with you all super soon.